Hello and welcome to Redeemer Radio's 2021 Spring Shareathon. Shareathon was a great success, but we could still use your help. Please visit RedeemerRadio.com to make your donation and please share this audio with friends and family. And good afternoon. I'm Jacob Laskowski. You're listening to Redeemer Radio's Spring Shareathon. I'm here with the great priests from St. Anthony's Parish in Angola. Welcome, fathers. We've got Father Bob Showers here with us, the pastor of St. Anthony's, and Father Bernie Zidel. So we feel welcomed. Thank Good. you. Excellent. We're glad you're here. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, things to announce at the top of this hour. Mm-hmm. Our goal uh, for St. Anthony's of Angola today is $3,500. Um, if you're joining us now um, for this hour, uh, we we have a, a few incentives here to call in your pledges. First of all, I'll give you the number. That's 260-436-9598 or RedeemerRadio.com. You can give securely online. Our goal for the hour is $3,500. And some incentives here, if, if uh, we have any um, gifts that are $120, uh, you will get a free T-shirt from Redeemer Radio. Um, it costs about two, uh, $120 an hour to keep Redeemer Radio on the air. Uh, so that number in particular is what we're looking for. If you, if you do that, you'll get a T-shirt, um, and you can help us offset this cost of evangelization. Uh, if you give $400 and above, you can have a day sponsorship. So you can honor your loved one uh, with a special uh, on-air message for that day. So perfect for honoring your anniversary, your birthday, a feast day, or in remembrance of a loved one. $400 gift uh, earns six on-air messages on the day of your choice. A $700 gift earns 12 on-air messages on the day of your choice. And $1,000 earns 18 on-air messages uh, for this special day. So if you are willing and able, uh, please give us a gift today. Uh, you can make your pledge online at RedeemerRadio.com or by calling. We've got volunteers standing by at 260-436-9598. We'll kick this off by a check for $200 to get it started. Thank you, Father Bernie. And I forgot there's a glass between us. I can't receive it. There. <laughs> See, costs $120 to have us on, so we, we paid for ourselves. Think of that. <laughs> You've covered your your hour. Um, so, so at St. Anthony's, tell me what's going on these days. Well, things are slowly picking up again like everywhere else. Um, it's a parish of about uh, – uh, 1,111 families. Um, I, for a while, wanted to say nobody else could join because it's really neat to have exactly 1,111, but it's gone up since then. <laughs> um, plus, we have a uh, chapel in the north of the county called St. Paul's Chapel on Clear Lake. Um, and right now, certainly, our big things is we have First Communion at St. Anthony's this Sunday, and then confirmations the Sunday after, and then first communions at St. Paul's Chapel the Sunday after, and then Trine University graduation the Sunday after. So it's it's right now, it's like the, the culmination of the year for um, for the catechetical programs. Right. Yeah. Are, so are, are the Franciscans at, at St. Anthony's involved with Trine University with the campus ministry there? Uh, yes. The... Um, we have the general model that uh, the parish as a such uh, parish as such views working with the university students as part of the mission of the parish there is a newman fellowship um under the the guidance of the parish so uh the pastor that's me uh, automatically becomes the the chaplain for the newman group we try to make clear i'm not the chaplain for the university because you know, we can't impose that. Uh, it's a secular university. Um, but I am chaplain for the Newman Group. It's a very good and active group with about a dozen students who are really active, like, you know, the weekly they come to things. And probably another 30 to 40 Catholic students who come to various things in the course of the semester. So that, that's a pretty good group all in all. It's between 40 and 50 active or sort of active students. And there are four Franciscans at the parish, correct? Yes. The conventual Franciscans, we came to the parish in 1931. Um, Steuben County, 100 years ago, was the least 
Catholic county in all of Indiana. Hmm. Um, but in the 2020 census, we are the least Catholic county in the entire state of Indiana. So things have not changed <laughs> in a hundred years. Uh, so we're one of the newer parishes. We started out as a mission of St. Michael's Parish uh, in Waterloo. And then in 1931, the Conventual Franciscans, we were looking for um, an anchor parish uh, in northern Indiana. So we were offered to come to Angola, and we took up the offer. So we came in 1931. And you yourself got to Angola in 2014? I came in 2014. Yeah. And Father Bernie? 2010 this time, but previously I was pastor um, about 30 years ago. So that I'm when I when I first agreed to come to, to, to Angola, I had to think, okay, and we got Father Bernie, who used to be the pastor, and then Father Wilfred, who used to be the associate pastor. Uh, you know, do I can I handle <laughs> having these extremely experienced men breathing down my neck saying that's not the way we did it back in my day? <laughs> but in the last seven years, they have never said that even once. Um, I feel very privileged because I got to know all these guys. He's the pastor, and I do what the pastor says. That's right. Uh, Father Bernie famously tried to drown me. <laughs> well, now I have to hear that story. Okay, I, our novitiate used to be in, in Mishawaka. Mm -hmm. um, so I was a novitiate in 1982 and 1983. And so in the springtime of 1983, Father Bernie decided that we all had to learn to water ski. So he brought us to Lake James, and I will admit I didn't give up until I had drunk about half the lake. <laughs> but at that point, I had to admit I'm never going to stand on these skis. <laughs> so um, it's been very nice. Father Wilfred, uh, who's now 88 years old, he was my pastor uh, when I was a high school student back in Wisconsin. Uh, Father Joe Keeney of Happy Memory. Uh, he passed away last year, but when I when we came, he was also a member of our community. Um, he was the prison chaplain in the town where I was, where my father was a prison guard. So, I, again, I knew him from my childhood. Uh, father Ray Mallet, who's now in Angola, he was one of my professors when I was in Washington, D.C., uh, back in the 80s. So it's like, you know, all these guys I... I, I got to grow up with them, so it's very nice now getting to tell them what to do. <laughs> so so you were intimidated at the start, but how long did it take you when you became pastor to realize, okay, they really are, you know, going to let me be the pastor? About two minutes. I mean, they, they made it very clear. I thought they, I mean, they were very, very yeah. good from, from the start, mm -hmm. uh, and that was really good. And what was that like, Father Bernie? You know, you had been the pastor of this parish for a while, and now you're becoming an, an associate pastor. What was that like for you? Oh, that was fine. Um, he's got all the responsibilities <laughs> that I don't have to worry about. You know, I'm there. I can say Mass and um, attend uh, to the uh, needs of the parishioners, and it's um, working out just fine. And you were ordained in what year? 1964. And what was um, your discernment process in deciding, I want to become a priest and specifically a Franciscan priest? Well, we had Franciscan priests in my parish in Gary, Indiana, where I grew up, and uh, I decided uh, to talk to the pastor there, and he told me, uh, you'll go to Mount St. Francis for your high school studies in southern Indiana, and uh, then after that, you'll follow through with your novitiate and for your college studies and your theology studies. So I did all that and was finally ordained uh, in 1964 as a um, priest. Now, what were you doing in 1964? <laughs> Let me think. <laughs> I wasn't around yet, Father. I learned to ride a tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> so um, your first assignment was where? As a priest? Uh, my first assignment was... Um, was it Lorraine? Where? Lorraine? Lorraine, no. I mean, uh, Michigan? No. 
You know, I don't even remember <laughs> my first assignment. But I was um, in Grand Rapids for... Your first assignment was in Milwaukee. That's right. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was yeah. my, That was my first assignment. And I remember that because you became a Green Bay Packers fan in 1964. That's right. His, to this day? To this day, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> There's a lot of good Catholics up there in Milwaukee. Yeah, very yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Father Bob, um, you were ordained in... 1990. 1990. And your first assignment? Oh, as a priest would have been Terre Haute, Terre Haute, Indiana, St. Ben- Benedict's Parish in Terre Haute. How many parishes for the province that, that you know of? You? Well, now we're down to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to have a lot more parishes, you know, uh, and, and we're, we're going to have fewer come next year. Um, COVID's been very hard on us. It's been very hard on religious all over the, the world, really, um, including our province of the Conventual Franciscans. Um, in general, about 15 percent you know, of religious in the United States have come down with COVID in the last year. And in our province, that means out of slightly fewer than 100 men, uh, 12 um, have been hospitalized with COVID. And six of them have had – nobody died from COVID, we thank God we can say in our, in our province, but six of our men have had serious enough permanent effects of COVID that they have to retire. Mm-hmm. And we can't lose six pastors at once without having to give something up. So we're, we've just left Bloomington, Minnesota. and Yeah, we're gradually leaving places because we don't have the manpower anymore to for you know, fulfill those responsibilities that we had, so mm-hmm. we're getting smaller, and that's uh, yeah. But hopefully, we'll be in Angola a long, long time. When you decided, I don't want to start, or, or, want to start rumors here. I don't want to start rumors. <laughs> I when you felt called to become a priest, did you know you wanted to become a Franciscan at the same time, or was that to be very honest? No, mm-hmm. um, I really was not clear what the difference was. Uh, Father Wilfred was my pastor, and I went to him, and he did not inform me that there were choices. <laughs> he said, here, you go to the Mount, sign here. <laughs> and uh, I only later discovered, wait, but uh, I would say after two years of postulancy, I really had, you know, was able to see the difference and saw what my different choices were. And though I will admit I toyed just briefly with becoming a Jesuit, uh, or or a Dominican, I very much wanted to be a Franciscan once I knew the difference, and and, and it it, just, it it fits me. I'm very happy. I think I made the very much the right choice. Yeah, we have an announcement to make with one of our pledges, Mr. and Mrs. James Scott. Thank you for your pledge for this hour of St. Anthony's of Angola. Um, if we get to $3,000 for this hour, we will get a bonus matching gift of, not matching gift, but a bonus gift of $500. So uh, please give those, uh, uh, put those phones to your ear and give us a call at 260-436-9598. That's 260 260- Four three six nine five nine eight, or securely online at RedeemerRadio.com. Jim and Chris Scott uh, coordinate the program for the altar service. And one big piece of news for both St. Anthony's and for St. Paul's Chapel is that this Sunday, this Saturday evening, uh, we get to have altar servers again. Uh, all through COVID, we did not use altar servers because we didn't feel we could do it safely. But we've gotten to the point now where uh, after 57 Sundays with no altar servers, we're going to have them again. So mm-hmm. that's – that's. Uh, I'm actually – I'm very happy. I'm very excited about that. We were just uh, talking in the previous hour with Father Tony Steinecker of um, – St. Peter's and Paul in Huntington, he was talking about on, on I think, March 17th last year was the last public mass uh, that he was Mm -hmm. able to celebrate. You know, when when that happened and and you knew that it was going to be your last public mass for a while, what was that like? What went through your mind? Again, to be honest, like everyone else is saying, we thought it was going to be short. Yeah. We thought, well, we can get through this. You know, it'll be until Easter and then the world will be better and we'll I'll go plant daffodils and everyone will be happy. Um, and, and, and I will admit that many of the first plans we made at the parish all foresaw a very short 
shutdown. You know, we had um, a backup plan for pump for all of Holy Week, for all the liturgies of Holy Week, uh, a plan ready to go so that when the bishop sends that email and says, okay, you know, we can have mass again on Palm Sunday, we're ready to go. Or, you know, if, if we had limited, like we had a, a, a limited drive-through Easter liturgy ready to go in case we were allowed to do it. it, it I, I, there wasn't a panic at first, at least not for me, because I didn't realize the seriousness of what we were getting into. Right. Father Bernie, what was that like for you? Well, um, I followed right along with uh, Father Bob on uh, whatever needed to be done. And uh, so I was filling in when he couldn't uh, do do everything. Mm-hmm. So. Being in, in community as Franciscans, the, the quarantine was probably, you know, different for you than, than another priest at a different parish who's, who's alone in quarantine, right? Yeah. What was that like being, at least being in community with, with four other uh, Franciscans? Well, we tried to avoid getting uh, the uh, virus, which we did. Um, we did avoid it. We, yes. We did yeah. avoid it. Yeah. Explicitly so that if one of us got it, then the others were all going to get it living in the same house. So we were very careful about not getting it and God well, willing. Uh, at one point, we, our provincial came to visit and we, we made him sleep in a hotel. <laughs> you know, I mean, we were actually very strict. We, we, did, we simply did not let people in the house, but we felt it was very necessary, you know, even though our friary is also the rectory and therefore the people own it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we were, we were very aware of the fact that if one of us gets it, all four of us die. Um, so we were rather strict. We had movie night every night um, from about mid-March to, oh, I'd say sometime in May for about eight or nine or ten weeks in a row. I think we had uh, movie night five nights a week. That was pretty good. <laughs> and then it was time to start doing other things again. What's movie night with Franciscans look like? Um. We took, we, I, I, oh boy. Does I, the pastor get to decide what the movie is or does he share only, that? Only kind of. <laughs> uh, he gave us choices. I had, I, I made a list of genres. I'm, I'm, I'm way too organized. And like, I just wrote down a list, cowboy movie, World War II movie, you know, spy movie, etc. And, and the next genre on the list for that night, I said, okay, that's the, and then we looked at a bunch of movies in that genre and picked one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of said it in advance. Okay, we're on number three on our list. <laughs> Speaking of um, movies, I went to see a movie uh, about uh, the girl who believed in um, Miracle. miracles. And it's an excellent movie. I recommend it for. Um, anyone. Um, Do you remember what it's called? Um, the Girl Who Believes in, who believes in Miracles. Called. Yes. Oh. It's kind of a self-describing it's, it's really, thing. It's yeah. really good. It made me cry. It was so powerful. And uh, I I would advise anybody to, to go see it. Mm-hmm. It's it's excellent. Yeah. So is, is popcorn involved or special snacks involved in the Franciscan movie night? <laughs> you know, we didn't really do much popcorn. No. Yeah. Potato chips. Yeah. I think potato chips yeah. were, the, were the snack of... And is the movie the followed choice. with a discussion about the movie or is it... You know, no, the, the, uh, the movie was always followed by uh, people... Go to bed. Well, <laughs> you, going to the restroom right away. It was like... Uh, <laughs> We've, we've got a few new pledges to announce. Thank you to Jessica and to Kim for your contributions. Uh, so far, we're up at, to a total of four contributions. So please give us a call at 260-436-9598 and support the good work of Redeemer Radio. You can also give online at RedeemerRadio.com. Every time I've come here, they've always asked me to tell a joke. So I brought a You brought a page of jokes. Let's get started. Well, here's one. A little girl went to see your pastor and confessed that she had incurred the sin of vanity. What makes you think that, asked the pastor. She said, because every morning when I look in the mirror, 
I think how beautiful I am. That's not a sin, the pastor replied. It's only a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. Yeah. Got another one? Okay. Um, A minister married a couple. The women had a veil on and he could not see her face. So after the ceremony, the man asked the minister, how much do I owe you? No charge, replied the minister. But I want to show my appreciation. So the man gave him 50 cents. About that time, the bride pulled off her veil, and the minister, looking at the bride, gave the man 25 cents in change. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's a true story. Once our neighboring pastor, this was a different parish, came over. He said, I'm very confused. We just had first confessions. And the first kid, this is these are second graders. He said the first second grader at the end of his confession confessed to the sin of adultery. And he said, I didn't want to make a big deal of it, so I just let it go, you know. But then the next kid, you know, confessed to adultery. And every child in that second grade class confess to the sin of adultery and I'm thinking what kind of strange religion teacher you know have we got at this parish and I was very worried Uh, so he said the next Sunday I came to religion class to the second grade and asked the teacher if I could just talk to the kids and I was talking to him in the course of talking to them I, I worked in the question I said does anybody know what adultery means and one little girl said, yeah, it's when you don't listen to an adult. <laughs> so he said, well, good, at least. <laughs> we, that worry was taken away. What um, with, You had First Communion coming up, you said? First Communion at St. Anthony's is this very Sunday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, last year, again, because of COVID, uh, we took First Communion away from the regular Sunday Mass and had just a special First Communion Mass with uh, every child was only allowed to bring, I think it was four people. Um, This year, we're doing something similar. We don't have the, uh, we don't have a limit on, on, on how many family they can bring. They can bring as much of the family as we want, but we're keeping it again this year, a separate Mass just for First Communion, which is, it's convenient, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I look forward to the day when, you know, the whole community can share in in that joy again. Right. Um, two years ago, um, at, 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 at Bishop Rhodes' suggestion and insistence, you know, we uh, even s- celebrated confirmation during a regular parish sun- uh, weekend mass. And people liked it a great, great deal because you you don't get to go to confirmations very often if you don't have kids in that age. Um, and I I hope we can do that again. Last Sunday, there is a uh, a fraternity of the secular Franciscans. The secular Franciscan order uh, is an order founded by St. Francis of Assisi way back in, you know, like 1208 uh, or so. Um, they still exist. Uh, they're in an independent Franciscan order, but, you know, have a lot of connections with the other group of Franciscans. They meet uh, on the campus of uh, St. Francis University in Fort Wayne. But this year, for the second year in a row, their new members took their vows as secular Franciscans uh, at St. Anthony's in Angola. And and we were were privileged to, to host them. Um, and again, for the second year in a row, they did it during a regular Sunday Mass. And it reminded me how important it is to be able to do those things, you know, with the full, with the whole community. So I'm, I'm hoping the class of 2022, we're back to First Communions uh, Sunday at 10 o'clock. But this year, it'll still be at 2 o'clock. Yeah. 
We've got a few more pledges to announce before we go to our break. Uh, thank you to Jack and Sheila Bradley for your support. Uh, Sally Eckrich and uh, Neil and Judy Nussbaum, thank you for your pledges. We're up to six pledges right now. Again, our goal for this hour is $3,500. But if we get to $3,000, we'll receive an extra $500 bonus amount. Uh, the number you can call is 260 260- Four three six nine five nine eight, and you can also give securely online at RedeemerRadio.com. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back here with Father Bernie and Father Bob from St. Anthony of Padua, of, of Angola, <laughs> in Angola. <laughs> And we're back here with Redeemer Radio Spring Sherathon. I'm joined by Father Bob Showers and Father Bernie Zidel from St. Anthony's in Angola, Indiana. I'm Jacob Laskowski. Thanks for continuing to join us for this hour. Uh, the number to call to send your pledges in is 260-436-9598 or online at RedeemerRadio.com. We've got six pledges so far, so please continue to call in with those pledges and support the great work of Redeemer Radio. Father Bob, we were talking about, um, you know, how COVID has affected the parish. Mm -hmm. And as more and more people are starting to come back and feel more secure and safe about returning to Mass, how's that been as a pastor to to see the pews starting to fill up again? Uh, Very hopeful. Um, When this thing, this thing, when when, when the COVID crisis began uh, last year, I I predicted that... um, those Catholics who are deepest into their faith will have their faith strengthened by this crisis. Those who are most at the peripheries um, will probably disappear due to this crisis. And, and, and the group in the middle, whether they are strengthened in their, in their faith or, 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 or leave the church will depend on what we do and how we react. And I had no idea what the numbers. Are. I still don't know what you know. What is it? One third, one third, one third. I don't know, but it's it's bearing out. Um, I would like to say that I guess this is a shout out, you know, to to uh, Brian McMichael and the whole committee at the diocesan office who are working on uh, guidelines. And I know it's a lot of reading. And I've said to my parish over and over again, I am so happy I'm not in that committee and I do not have to read the 8,000 pages of studies and surveys and everything else. Um, and up until now, um, you know, the, the guidelines from the diocese have been quite clear, um, which is really good when you're the pastor because if people say, well, I don't want to wear a mask, I can say, uh, it doesn't matter. The bishop said, so you have to. So there. Um, on April 6th, the diocese released uh, uh, updated guidelines that used the phrase at the discretion of the pastor eight times. I counted. <laughs> uh, and suddenly I have to like own my own decisions and, and, and take responsibility for them. And that's a lot scarier. Um, but we, I mean, it, it is good as... as uh, we are really since the crisis began, you know, having the problem of can we seat this many people still within the guidelines? That's a wonderful problem to have. Um, the general idea is you don't flip a switch from off to on in one day. You know, there's this gradual uh the guidelines from the Archdiocese of Chicago described it as a slow on-ramp. Uh, you know, we slowly bring things back and each week evaluate. But then uh, if you have to do anything, it's a good idea, I find, to announce it at least two weeks in a row. Uh, so that, it, for example, in theory, we were ready to go with, we could have had altar service for, for Easter. Um but you have to announce it several weeks and get everybody ready, including the altar service. Um, and we're to the point now where communion is taking a long time because now there's suddenly, you know, pushing 300 people again for one mass and only three Eucharistic ministers. So we need to go back to multiple ministers, but can't just do that. You know, you have to announce it two, three weeks in a row, get people ready. 
Um, but that means we're constantly, on the one hand, we're constantly looking forward to things. On the other hand, I am constantly frustrating our poor volunteers, the, the sacristans, the lectors, the Eucharistic ministers, because every other week I'm telling them, okay, here are the new guidelines. Yeah. <laughs> and they say, well, you just said that. I said, okay, that was two weeks ago. This, these are new guidelines. Uh, they're rolling with it quite well. That's- it's joyful to see people back for Mass again because uh, there for a while with no one showing up. Uh, and then finally it turned around where people were coming in, coming in, and it made you feel good uh, to have a congregation out there that um, you were missing so for such a long time. So we're getting back slowly to... to, um, to Easter Sunday, all the masses put together, yeah. there were 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as impressive as Easter 2019, where all the masses put together, there were 2,000 people. But it was a lot better than Easter 2020, where all the masses put together, there were three of us, <laughs> and we, <laughs> the three friars, and we had to lock the doors and not let anybody in. <laughs> we have uh, three new pledges to announce. Uh, we've got a pledge from the St. Anthony Friary. Thank you for your generous pledge. Uh, the Knights of Columbus Council at St. Anthony's as well. Thank you for your pledge. And also Patty Webster. Um, if you are listening now and you want to give us a pledge, please call our phone line, 260-436-9598. That's 260-436-9598. Our volunteers are waiting and they're excited to talk to you and hear your pledge. You can also give securely online at RedeemerRadio.com. And Patty is real wonderful, not only making a pledge today, but she's our secretary in the parish, and she does a fantastic job. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Patty. So you brought this up. I was curious, you know, um, Easter Vigil in particular, no one in the pews. The in first 2020. Time, yeah, yeah. No, the first time, certainly in, in your priesthood, yeah. that that's happened. What was that like, an Easter Vigil that was virtually alone? Actually, it was like being a novitiate again. Uh-huh. Uh, it was. It was. It was very unusual. Um, we had to remember that on, you know, that I guess just the three of us assembled are the parish right now. <laughs> you know, the, the the parish was present in the sense that at least there were three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was melancholy. It was a kind of a, yeah, a, a very melancholy Easter. Mm-hmm. Father Bernie, what was that like being one of the three? Uh, hoping that things would change where we would see more people there, but we we got through it. Yeah. We, we didn't let Father Bernie bless the Easter baskets two years in a row. That usually uh, uh, on Holy Saturday, mm-hmm. Father Bernie's in the, in the church, and then people come with their uh, Easter, Easter baskets, baskets or, the, or their, their Easter dinner and and get a blessing and— Again, even this Easter 2021, we just didn't, it was not time to have fresh food (laughs) brought into the church. Yeah. With, um, you know, this past Easter, you know, seeing all those those pews more more full, maybe maybe not completely full. um, What was your message to parishioners that were coming back that Easter Sunday? That Easter makes all things new. Christ's resurrection makes all things new and we're not going to be the same like before, we're not going to go back to the way things were before. You never go back to the way things were before. People who want any church or parish or community or family to go back to the way things were before are, are, are in the end, helping to, to, to destroy things. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. You have to, you move forward. We will be different on the other side. We have the great advantage as Catholics that we have a long Memory, you know, compared to so many other churches, when the COVID nineteen pandemic struck with all its force first in Europe for the Catholic Church, you know, we could go back into the archives and say, what did we do uh, back in thirteen fifty two, and and look it up. You know, we could see what did we do in the sixteenth century pandemics. What did we do in nineteen eighteen uh, with the uh, 
Spanish flu, etc., and and learn from those. And not everything we did in those earlier pandemics was a good thing, but we could say, look, we tried this, you know, back in 1354, and it was a mistake. Let's not make that mistake again. A lot of other churches don't have that advantage. Um, so I thought of that a lot, by the way, that Easter night when there were the three of us, you know, that even though for the three of us in our short lifetimes, this was new. There were a lot of priests at Easter of 1353 who had to do this. You know, I mean, it's 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 still it's part of our it's part of our living memory. That, that to me, that's always the one of the most wonderful things about uh, about being Catholic. Right. So your me- your message on Easter being, you know, all things all things are made new through Christ, and and you know we shouldn't return to everything of, of old ways. How how are you envisioning that message for the parish itself? What, what 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 would you hope for in terms of the parish community and family moving forward? In terms of liturgy, it is was a wonderful opportunity to uh, distinguish between the absolutely essential and the really good stuff. You know, uh, we had to because of the disease. You know, pare the liturgy down to the absolute minimum that is required for it to be a valid Catholic mass. That doesn't mean it was, it's good like that. There's a lot of other stuff that having cut it away temporarily, we see the, the goodness of it. Um, one of the most obvious to me are, were processions, you know, for a while in May of 2020, when we brought mass with the, with the congregation, we could start doing that again. There were no, Processions, for example. Um, And that doesn't mean that just because we can do a mass with no processions doesn't mean that now in the future we're going to sit back and say, okay, why bring those back? You don't really need them because it makes a better worship of God for for all the people. There's just a whole long list of things with the liturgy um, that we can now, I hope, appreciate more. Mm I think people will be reluctant at a certain level come 2022 to receive communion under both species again. That would be sad um, because, again, it would be sacrificing a lot. <laughs> and, 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 and I hope people haven't said to themselves, well, I got along without that for this year and a half. Maybe I don't need it ever again. Well, you know, you can, a lot of things you can get, you know, you can get along with for a short time. It doesn't mean it's a good thing um, not to do that. You brought up, um, you know, the history of of the Franciscan order, you know, dating back to St. Francis. Have you been to Assisi? Yes. Yes. And, um, Want to say hello to uh, to Sister Reagan in 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 Mishawaka, who twice in a row now has had to postpone a, oh, a no. uh, or cancel a, a pilgrimage to Assisi that that she and I were supposed to help lead, and and I know she's getting frustrated, but hang in there, <laughs> Sister Agnes. We will you will get to Assisi again. <laughs> With uh, our, our pledges continuing to come in, give us a call at 260-436-9598 with your pledge to support Redeemer Radio. You can also give online securely at RedeemerRadio.com. Um, your trip to Assisi, how, when, when was the that time when you went? Um, well, I, I guess I, I the last time we went was – I went was in 2019 when – the again the secular Franciscans of Northern Indiana planned a group and, and I got to come along. Um, I um, I get to Assisi as often as I can. Um, uh, you know, even like a few years ago, I literally just packed a backpack and caught a cheap flight to Istanbul and hitchhiked from there mm-hmm. to Italy and then hopped to Assisi and it was a nice, <laughs> really cheap vacation. Um, and for many, many, many years, I lived in the country of, of Denmark um, and there almost every year after Easter, 
after all the masses were done just to be quiet again i'd, I'd, I'd catch a train or, or hitchhike down to italy and and just spend four or five days in a CZ being very quiet yeah I've heard that about there. I've never been myself, but th th here's a softball question. What mm -hmm. is it about Assisi that draws you so often? I feel there the living presence of the spirit of St. Francis of Assisi. There's something about it. Um, a lot of people, um, now it's deserted, but but under ordinary times, you know, there's thousands, tens of thousands of, of pilgrims and... and um, Tourists, uh, you know, busloads that come in and spend half an hour and then disappear again. You know, it's, and yet amidst all those throngs of people, half of whom have no idea what they're even looking at, somehow you can't get away from that feeling of a deep spirituality here. Um, you can almost just feel it palpably in the air. I was in Assisi once, and uh, it was such a joy to say Mass there. It was just what a feeling it gave you, and uh, with even with a small group of people um, that clustered around you, um, it was just very special to being saying uh, a Mass in Assisi, uh, where we have our founder um, who who started it all. So. It was great. Yeah, you've been there how many times? Just dozens? once. Oh, just once. Just once. Yeah. You've been there dozens of times, I take it. Yeah. And I, yeah. we do have a rock in, in, in the sacristy of St. Anthony's from the tomb of St. Francis. Um, long story, but here's the short version. Um, there was a woman named Erica Rosenorn Lane. She was a, a Danish Protestant at the end of the 19th century, uh, she was an artist uh, and went to Assisi to study art. And as she put it, she said, I, I came to Assisi uh, as a, a Protestant and I left a Catholic. And hmm. then I came back as a Catholic tourist and I left as a pilgrim. Uh, and she became a secular Franciscan and refounded the secular Franciscan order in Scandinavia. Um, wrote many books, et cetera, et cetera. But she was became so beloved of the friars at the our headquarters in Assisi that when she left Assisi for the last time to move back to Denmark, they took her down to the tomb of St. Francis, which at that time was not even open to the public, uh, and dug into it and took a rock hmm. and gave it to her. And uh, she passed that on to her goddaughter and... Back in the 90s, her dad, goddaughter gave it to us, and I took it back with me here, and it's in Angola. So we have and a rock. And now it's here. And, and, and I, I don't tell the friars in Assisi that because we're not supposed to have it, and they'll probably want it, want it back. <laughs> Hopefully they're not listening. That's right. <laughs> We've got 11 pledges now. We've got uh, – we're, we're halfway. We're over halfway to our goal. We've got a little over $1,500. Our goal is 3000 for this hour. We've got about eight minutes left. So please give us a call at 260-436-9598, 260-436-9598. Our volunteers are waiting for your calls now. Uh, you can give also securely online at RedeemerRadio.com. And it's time for another joke from Father Bernie. I think it is. Okay. Um, a minister stopped to visit a fellow clergyman on the weekend. The pastor of the church was delighted and asked the visitor if he would like to preach to the congregation, but warned that the people were in the habit of walking out of church before the sermon was finished. During the service, the preacher went to the pulpit, pointed out that the first half of his sermon would be addressed to the sinners in the congregation and the last half to the saints in the congregation. Lo and behold, everyone stayed until the end. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take it you, you bring some jokes into your homilies from time to time, Father? I start off with a homily, with a joke before I preach. That gets their attention. Mm -hmm. They relax and they listen because <laughs> they got a little laughter and... <gasps> right. So... It works. When, um, you know, going back to the early days of the the pandemic starting, 
what was it like? I've heard from other priests who say, you know, I, I had to become a TV producer overnight, you know, in, in trying to film all these masses. What was that like at St. Anthony's? Um, we just we made a decision early on not either to live stream or to film our, our, our masses as such. Um, that was because we felt, I felt, but so did the staff, that there were so many really well-done, well-produced television masses already. You know, everything from Catholic TV that, send, that broadcasts a mass from Notre Dame University every Sunday to EWTN that has a, a chapel that's built for it. You know, just a lot of really good masses on our parish app. Uh, we had live masses every day from, from I think it was from Boston or somewhere. Um, you know, so there were lots of opportunities for that. And I felt compared to that, we would spend a lot of time and effort and money into an inferior production and, and just to have the satisfaction of saying it's ours, you know. And, and uh, instead, we concentrated on getting our religion classes on air. You know, it's like we didn't have time or energy left, to be honest, friends. not saying that catechism is more important than mass or mass isn't that important. We just felt that uh, there were other options to have an online mass. There were not other options necessarily for the third graders or the second graders or the eighth graders, you know, to have their religion class. So we concentrated on on, on those and set up a studio, which I refer to as our I put a big sign on it that uh, says uh, the two teachers were, were were Mr. Ben Roderer and Ms. Cece Ball. So the name of the studio was Ben and Cece's Magical Mystical Catechetical Studio. <laughs> and Mr. Ben Roderer, who was a retired high school principal, looked at it and said, oh, you grew up in the 60s. He said, <laughs> Anybody born after about 1950 can't understand that at all. But – if you're from the, you know, anyway, it was, we had a good magical, mystical, catechetical studio, and they did a lot of good religion classes for, for different grade, uh, grade levels. Yeah, that's excellent. Nice, a uh, good shift in terms of what can we do and what should we do with our resources. Um, well, we are uh, about four minutes out from the end of the hour. We've got our most recent pledge puts us over $2,000. So we are getting much closer to our goal of 3000 If you love St. Anthony Parish and Redeemer Radio, please give us a call. Our number is 260-436-9598. We've got many volunteers waiting to hear you and give give you their give you give them your pledge. 260-436-9598. You can also give online at redeemerradio.com. So one big generous donor is all we need or a few smaller pledges to reach our goal. And uh, we'll get there. I believe in the next four minutes we can do it. Right, Father Bernie? That's right. Father Bernie Zydell, uh, I take it that's not an Irish name. Polish. It's not a very Polish name, but that's it's not my, Z- my Zydell, back... Z- Yeah. My, my uh, ancestry is all from Poland. Are you first, first generation American? Um, I was born in Gary, Indiana. Um, my parents were also born in the United States. So third generation. Yeah, third generation. Okay. Zydell. Mm-hmm. And Father F- Father Bob, you were saying if you if you try to put it into your GPS or or your or Siri oh, or yeah, I got yeah in the in the car. I've got one of these uh, hands free headsets for the phone. You know where you just <laughs> talk and and say call. And I have to, I found if I have to call Father Bernie in the car, I have to pronounce it Zajdel or else the, the, the phone won't recognize it. <laughs> you probably get that a lot, don't you? No, not a you lot. You don't. I, I get Father Bernie. On, on, on the other hand, I uh, used to work at a parish called uh, Nativity of Our Lady. And if I try to call people there, I have to pronounce it Nativity. Or else it won't recognize the no word kidding. nativity. It it, it it thinks it's pronounced that. So you don't necessarily go by <laughs> that that and AI's uh, pronunciation. Right. So you were mentioning before about uh, the parish numbers in terms of of particular St. Paul's Chapel mm-hmm. numbers grow in the summer. Do you anticipate that this summer as well? Yes. Um, 
Summer of 2020, our summer parishioners, both at St. Anthony's and at St. At, at Paul's Chapel, you know, there weren't nearly that many of them. And I don't think it's that they were all in Indiana and just refused to go come to church. You know, they just, a lot of people just did not come for the summer last year. Uh, this year, the numbers are already up. I think there'll be more people than usual because people are going to try to make up for the vacation they didn't get, did not get last year. Um, in the summer, uh, we have, between the two campuses, we have four masses in the winter, but seven uh, in the summer, including an outdoor mass every Saturday evening at uh, Manipogo. Manipogo Campground, mm-hmm. uh, which is also very popular. And and we've, again, like on a 4th of July weekend, we've had up to five, six, seven hundred people uh, at that outdoor mass, too. So we get busy in the summer. Um, which is a wonderful thing. We are just under a minute left. We've got uh, uh, still a little bit of ways to go. You can still give us a call, 260-436-9598, to give us your pledge. Even as the hour is ending, your uh, contribution can still count uh, for for the St. Anthony hour. So thank you all for your generosity. Again, the number to call is 260-436-9598. Father Bob, um, any parting thoughts? And, and also, would you close us with a prayer? Well, should we uh, sing a, a Regina Celi? Okay. Regina Celi, letare, alleluia. Quia quem eruisti portare, alleluia. Resurrexit, sicut dixit, alleluia. Ora pro nobis Deum. Alleluia. Thank you, Father Bob Showers, Father Bernie Zidel, for joining us for the St. Anthony's Hour. Uh, thank you for listening to Redeemer Radio. We'll be back in just a bit. Thank you for listening to this hour of Redeemer Radio's 2021 Spring share Please keep us in your prayers, and if you're able to support the mission, Visit RedeemerRadio.com to make a monthly or one-time donation. And if you're looking for more great podcasts, check out SpokeStreet.com.